Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at the Meadowlands. The world's greatest harness racing happens every Friday and Saturday night at Meadowlands Racetrack. And there's also racing on Thursday, December 1st. Post time is 6.20 p.m. Admission and parking are free on Saturday, November 26th. Over 2.5 million is up for grabs as the best two-year-olds battle it out in the fall final four and the best older trotters and pacers battle in the TVG finals. Visit playmeadowlands.com for complete racing and sports wagering information. That website again, playmeadowlands.com. to another Thanksgiving week edition of the In The Money Players podcast. We've got so much content because there's so much good racing going on. We'll have uh, some standalone content as well for both Del Mar and uh, the JRA, Japan Cup, coming up this weekend. But on this show, we're going to focus on Churchill Downs and on uh, Naira as well, Aqueduct. We'll have a segment about that. We're going to kick things off sort of like a baby talk extra, not an official baby talk segment, but hey, we'll we'll just we'll throw it in there because we have the original co-host of Baby Talk back with us. I'm PTF, of course, here in my dad's old office in Port Washington. Coming to us now from Lexington, Kentucky, from the farm is Sean Tugel. Sean, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always fun to get on here and, and chat about horse racing and and especially the babies and who are the up and comers. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, happy that you came out of your uh, your prestigious 5K with no hamstring injuries and and doing all right this morning. So so always uh, grateful for that and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Oh, good. We always appreciate those well wishes. It was a five mile. Now I'm slow, but I'm not so slow that I would need 55 minutes for, for 5K. Well, just I, to, I saw your tweet there with all the fives, and I was like, I was trying to put it all together. So I guess I guess I did miss that uh, it was not a 5K, it was a five miler. Okay. So. <laughs> little more challenging, but uh, mm. hey, anytime you can get out there and move on, on Thanksgiving or a holiday, this time of year, really, the holidays, I recommend it. Um, my favorite place to get your 10,000 steps in at the track, walking to and from the paddock and the, and the bedding window, something I'd love to do for this Churchill Saturday card, because it's one of the, these, uh, stars of tomorrow cards, loads of two-year-olds. I love this. It's so much fun. I would imagine for an industry person like yourself, that this also tickles you a bit. Absolutely. It's a, it's a fun day. I think it was about four or five days ago, you know, text messages started, who's going, what accommodations we got, who's driving, everybody's getting pumped up. So, you know, a little post, post-Thanksgiving post uh, stars of tomorrow action, and uh, there's nothing like really quality two-year-olds that get your blood pumped. Absolutely. And another note, there is also this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, the first of the Kentucky Derby Future wagers happening um, paramutually. Have you heard anything about that? Have you seen any PPs or anything? I have not looked. I, I'll be quite honest with you. I take the notion of uh, you can probably get a better price the day of than than the day, you know, in these future pools, unless you do want to take a swing. I, I've been a little bitter on future pools since the one year where I uh, was working at Windstar, and I think I had seven future wagers out there with, with the Felds. They went out to Vegas, and I said, put them on all these. They were t- TD and Rising Stars, and about three weeks after uh, – 
after we put in all our bets, Justify debuted, and we didn't have a single one on them. So uh, that tells you how much you really know, right? <laughs> I mean, That's just, pretty fun. We went in with Noble India as our best chance. So I, I've, I've sat out the future pool since then. I get it. I, I think there's opportunities, though. I mean, in certain in certain situations, and it's fun, and I'm glad they're doing it. Ultimately, I do think that a fixed odds way of doing futures makes more sense than the paramutual, just in terms of really being able to know what kind of price you're going to get. But I, I still think it's it's creative, and they must have had some success with it because they've been uh, they've been running these now for several years paramutually. So just another thing to look forward to. But we're really here to analyze the last four races on this Saturday card. We start off in race number nine. We've got the two-year-old Colts in the Ed Brown Stakes listed stake going six and a half on the dirt. And we've got a field of seven going postward in here. Where's your eye drawn, my friend? Um, you know, I'm going to take the seven Monsieur Coco as my as my top choice. Um, kind of going a different way. Obviously, Powerful is a deserving five to two favorite here. Um, you know, gets a big class relief coming out of the grade one and cutting back to the one turn. Uh, but I, you know, Monster Coco was a horse I was interested in, in, in the Indian summer, didn't have the easiest of trips was, uh, was down, you know, kind of bottled up a little bit and finally got running. But, um, going into that, you know, he certainly had, had good form on the synthetic. The question is back on dirt where his first race wasn't, uh, anything to get too excited about, but it is his very first race. It was the 16th of July. A lot has happened since then. Um, seeing this horse in the flesh, uh, not only at Keeneland, but leading up to the Breeders' Cup, which you didn't get into, um, big, strong horse. So does look like a horse who who will should handle the dirt. I love that he's drawn outside, so he shouldn't get a whole lot of dirt in his face, be able to make his own little trip. Uh, so if he does take the dirt, I like the price there. You're getting a uh, 6-1 morning line with Flo on his back. Um, outside of that, obviously powerful, we, we, we discussed, and I think the two bourbon bash, uh, deserves, deserves a look there for the coach. You and I see this one exactly the same. I thought Monsieur Coco was interesting getting back onto dirt was bet hard for that dirt debut. Had I thought a tricky trip in there as well, not breaking great, getting stuck down, chasing inside the dam was all dirt, had a sibling that ran a 95 buyer speed figure on dirt. And I love the fact that you've seen in the flesh and he looks like a dirt runner. My enthusiasm for this one that goes up after hearing your analysis. And I think there's a lot of ways to go, but it did just feel like, at least if the morning line guesses are accurate, the other horses just kind of looked like the prices to me. And Monsieur Coco looked like the one who was interesting. So we see race number nine very much the same way, which brings us to race 10, the Goldenrod. We've got this grade two for the two-year-old Phillies going a mile and a 16th on the dirt this time around. Field of 10 going postward. And you mentioned about runners that didn't get in or didn't uh, end up competing in the Breeders' Cup. For me, American Rockette was a Philly I would have been interested in backing in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies had they decided to go that way. And the case was pretty basic. I just feel like she has more ability than her running lines show and was going to be a, a very big price in there and, and one that had a chance. And I feel similarly in this spot, 10 to 1 on the morning line. Obviously, a lot of the attention is going to go to number four, who's your Philly. But I thought American Rockette was a reasonable alternative in this spot should be a good pace up front to set up her late run. He's going to mess around with her and, and probably save with who's your Philly. How do you see the golden run? Yeah. You know, um, who's your Philly certainly has the affinity for Churchill and has gone the mile on the 16th. Um, 
So certainly, you know, the end of mischief out of Tappet Mare, which is it's just like the one horse, pretty mischievous, in the mischief out of a grade one winning Tappet Mare, pretty city dancer. Um, I, it's, it's hard to split up those two, in my honest opinion. They do look like kind of the class of the field. Um, they're both multiple winners. They're both multiple winners at Churchill. I do think pretty mischievous, um, will appreciate the two turns. Um, not, you know, don't love the, the rail draw, but, uh, Gaff Leone stays, stays aboard there. Um, as a long shot here, I, I do have a little bit of, uh, interesting look at the 10 defining purpose at 15 to one with Brian Hernandez, McPeak. They always are, are pretty tough together. You see that it went off. Um, favored last time out, going a mile of 16th in a restricted race, certainly, but went gate to wire, drew off by six. Um, it looks like it's probably going to have to have that same trip, gun from the gate and go. Uh, but we've seen McPeak go gate to wire at Churchill in, in big races plenty of times. So um, if, you're, if you're looking to get away from the chalk, which I think both of them look, look pretty tough on paper, uh, the 10 defining purpose is, is my uh, blow up the tote board, hopefully. Yeah, makes sense. I wonder if she'll be as long as that 15 to 1. Because looking at pace figures, it does look like she should be pretty loose in this spot. We'll have to see who wants to who wants to go with early. But I really like that idea. I'm gonna mix some I'm gonna mix some tens in there. I was sort of on the fence and you've tilted me to to definitely including the 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 10 and probably the one as well. I mean, I figure with the price I'm getting with American Rockette, in addition to not messing around and just betting to win in terms of exotics playing some one four ten with three is probably just very logical so good stuff there sean let's move to the boys version of this race the kentucky jockey club grade two for the two-year-olds going a mile and a 16th and a race that uh, historically has certainly produced plenty of good horses and wouldn't be surprised to see that being the case again but we'll start this one off with you to get your idea of the winner Man, this is a wide open race in in my opinion. Um, you know, Curly Jack on the rail again. You know, has the has the two turn um, experience. Also has the two wins over Churchill. You gotta love that. Uh, the rail though is a little bit of a concern. Um, he should be able to make make his own pace. Um, showed a little bit more speed when he was kind of going one turn versus two turns. So you know. Wouldn't want to see him shuffle back too much. But like I said, man, this is wide open. Um, I think I might take a swing on the six. Freedom Trail, uh, you know, coming in from Aqueduct for John Terranova. You get Florent Giroux. Um, you know, they, they say turf horses will take to the, to the dirt track at Churchill. So uh, if that's true, then this horse should, uh, should be very live, you know, has, has, the, has the distance experience. It's two for two, multiple winner. You got to like that. Um, I like Florent on his on his back. So uh, other than that, maybe the eight instant coffee is a horse, you know, coming out of the grade one. Uh, you got Saez, you got Cox. Um, so those 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 were my eyes are taking me right now. I get you. Looking at the blood for uh, for Freedom Trail. I wasn't seeing a lot of clues for for dirt, but you're, you're just you're not you're not too concerned about that talent overcomes so if he's talented and he's good then um we'll find out you know if he gets a bunch of dirt in his face and resents it then uh you probably won't you know you won't have a whole lot of cheering at the end but uh that's that's why we handicap (laughs) 
That's right. And you'll get compensated in price. You know, when you're taking a guess like that, it's, it's always more appealing to do so when that when the number is going to be yeah. right. It's much harder and to do that on the five to two. I do favorite. think that's so probably I, I, you know, it's probably more in this instance that I couldn't find anybody else that I really, you know, got my attention. I mean, Curly Jack's three to one on the rail getting beat 12 lengths last time out. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just kind of a, a little bit of uh, where do I go? And this horse is sitting there with two wins and, uh, you know, a top jock from Churchill. It makes sense. I went with Instant Coffee. Loved that race at Saratoga. Got uh, stuck down inside, I thought, last time. and still ran on okay. And that race also has just produced such good form. Now with an outside draw, clean run for the, you know, almost as ever hot uh, barn. I just, I was going to try to keep it simple. But I get your point on... Raw numbers, maybe this is a race where you don't want to go as short as the two to one or five to two that instant coffee is going to be. But I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my flag there and see if I can get away with it. It sounds you've got him in the mix as well. I mean, I assume oh, yeah. it's just the price. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, Curly Jack and Instant Coffee are, are certainly uh, two horses that deserve a lot of attention um, and don't have those question marks as far as handling the dirt. And they're both coming out of, you know, grade one. So so the class is there. Um, it's just, uh, you know, if, if, if the opinion is correct and, and, you know, there's a reason why Terra Nova's shipping into Churchill to try the dirt. I don't think, um, you know, there's to me, I think there's got to be some confidence there to put him on a, on a van and bring him down here. You know, the horse works on dirt every every work. So um, there's got to be right. there's got to be a little bit of of, of some type of. Um, Something telling, telling you know, Terra Nova's not going to just come down here and, and have a huge try. You know, he's not going to come down here and just try to lay an egg. So I, I think there's got to be a rhyme and a reason to it. <laughs> it makes sense to me, and you've convinced me, and I'll definitely have some sixes on the ticket as well, in addition to uh, plenty of eights for instant call. One more race to go. I'll, I'll be honest, in the original recording of this, I went right into the close and I kind of forgot that we have this really interesting looking maiden race, but Sean, Sean was too polite to point it out on air. So we're just going to edit. And, but I did want to, when I make a mistake that bad, I do have to cop to the host fail, but Sean, let's talk about this nightcap two-year-old maiden colt, seven furlongs on the dirt and a fully subscribed field and some uh, pretty famous bloodlines as well. If we're playing this pick four at Churchill on Saturday, how are we getting paid? Boy, um, what a way to close a card. Um, it is tough to find one. You're either going to take one that has an absolutely atrocious kind of running line to date, or you're going to take a firster. So it could be an all at the end. If you if you have good opinions coming into it, maybe you just hopefully you get through those first couple legs and, and hit the all button here and, and hope for the biggest bomb. But uh, if you do have to narrow it down, which typically we do, it's it's hard to get too much behind the three Talladega Went off favored in its first start at Churchill. Maybe just didn't like the slop. Um, didn't improve late. I mean, obviously, you got the bloodlines there. You got Gaffleone and Rudolph has, has had a good meet. So you got to think that horse is going to run better. Um, the two horse, Pletcher, I love getting back to the one turn. Um, went off favored first start. Didn't show much. Definitely improved second start. Wasn't, you know, um, your typical Pletcher, you know, he's not the top in the barn, but but certainly the program speaks for itself. So I do like Saez back aboard, cutting back to the seven, 
could definitely see one more improvement there that can win this race. Um, and then probably also drawn to the outside, the 11 mobster of the horses that have run already, you know, kind of makes sense and, and being its second start should move forward again. And certainly as you've pointed out, has, uh, has the bloodlines to be a talented horse. So, um, those are the three that, uh, that I'm going to narrow it down to if I have to. And that's just more the, uh, the experience of already having a run under them, but it's, it's a wide open closer. It's, it could be go any which way. It's tricky. I agree. I definitely gave looks to the three you mentioned. Ultimately, I decided of the ones that have run, just I, I didn't find enough to get stuck into. And I ended up looking at Itsos, the six runner. Um, obviously, this female side of the pedigree has been incredibly precocious and uh, has some major quality in the form of uh, Rachel Alexandra in that family. Bolt Doro off to such a good start. Paolo Lobo does well uh, with Firsters. I. I definitely want to have this horse on tickets. Is this this is one been training at the at the training center? Have you heard any buzz about this runner? I, I would have thought there would be some buzz about this one if if he was as good as he looks like he might be on paper. No, I you know the Thoroughbred Training Center is kind of its own little island at times, so uh, not necessarily uh, all the buzz comes out until they run. But um, unless you run happy, gotcha. of course. So, but uh, <laughs> it's hard to keep that one undercover. So. Um, <laughs> You know, Paul Lobo, like you said, does a great job. Nearly 20% first-time starters. Corrales is a very good rider. Um, kind of known very well around here. You know, rode a lot in Turfway and stuff as he got going, and he's kind of expanded out from there. But but as, as far as Kentucky jocks go, he's, he's really solid in the colony. So uh, more than capable. You got, you know, if you're going off the pure pedigree play, both Duro's vying for uh, freshman sire leader of the year and and certainly we know what a lot of kim has has thrown uh from her produce record so um certainly the three-quarter sibling to uh rachel alexandra is uh is an interesting to watch definitely i'm gonna mess around with the six and use your three the two three and the 11 and uh, hopefully we can uh, hit this pick four and have some and have some money to play with would be nice going into old uh holiday season you know the sales have started well, we appreciate you coming on here, Sean. It's good to check in every now and again with you, and we'll, we'll definitely get you back soon to uh, talk about some of these uh, some of these two year old races, and or just uh, make your handicap in general. Tell us about what's going on in your uh, in your current gig as well. Uh, always a pleasure catching up with you. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, always enjoy it, and um, we're we're looking forward to a, to a strong twenty twenty three. You know, Ness is gonna get a little break now and come back and, and we've got procrastination and Kaylin and we've got a barn full of uh, yearlings down Ocala that are, are under tack and, and getting ready to, to get underneath, uh, get on the track and, and do see who's the next superstar. So uh, everything's good. Can pretty excited. I didn't introduce you. I should have introduced you properly and mentioned uh, Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners, where you're currently a, a key member of the team. What is your actual job title over there? Vice President of Bloodstock Services. I like that. That's that. That's a title befitting a man such as yourself, Sean. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll we'll come back and bother you soon. No good deed goes unpunished. But really appreciate you uh, coming on here on the holiday weekend and and spending some time. Absolutely appreciate, Pete. Next up on the show, man, we're very happy to have in the network Fold for the fantastic job he does on his first over podcast. He also sometimes comes on here to talk about various things. He is Edison Hatter. Edison, what's the latest? 
Hey, Pete, uh, great to be on with you as well. And uh, hey, you know what? I hear we're going to see each other in person coming up pretty soon here in Tucson. I'm excited to get you uh, out there and, and helping me out, talking to some people that we're working with currently, some people we're looking to work with in the in the future. And there's a lot of good panels. Uh, I'm very excited. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I, I'm really, I, I am really interested to hear what goes on on the horse player panel that I'm part of. Just eager to hear Jessica's thoughts, Jessica Cat, who's going to be hosting. And of course, anytime you get a chance to hear Marshall Graham speak, that's a beautiful thing. So that, that, that'll be great. Have you done the concert? Have you done this uh, um, before this conference? I have not. Uh, nope. My first time out there. I, I've been to Arizona many times, so I love being out there. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Pete, uh, two years ago in an alternate universe, I almost would be a student there because when I graduated college uh, just over two and a half years ago, I wanted to do the RTIP program out in Arizona, but uh, life just took me a different direction. And, and now I guess I get to go attend it at least. So <laughs> That's great. I didn't realize that. I always forget how young you are, actually. That is, am- that is amazing that you're, you're that close to, to that point. Well, you get a little sense of uh, what, what the path that, that might have been for you when we get when we get out there in the desert. But you're here today. Always appreciate the RTIP plugs, of course. But we're here today to talk about what's going on at the Meadowlands on Saturday night. You and the team have done a great job um, demystifying, I'm going to call it, harness racing for our flat audience in a number of places. And so let's start with just the most basic question of all. You know, I've been reading the ads for the, the, the fall Final Four TVG finals, but give us, from your point of view, a good a good overview of, of what this night is all about. Yeah, so these are essentially eight championship races we'll have. So when they, you hear the fall Final Four, what that really refers to is the two-year-old championship races. So we have the two-year-old Philly Trotters, the Philly Pacers, two-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers and Trotters, and they all go in championship races. So the Goldsmith Maid is the one from two-year-old Philly Trotters, the Valley Victory, two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters, uh, then we have the three diamonds for the two-year-old Philly Pacers. And finally, the Governor's Cup for the two-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers. Um, as for the TVG finals, those are all open races. So there's the TVG Mare Open Pace, uh, the TVG Mare Open Trot, and then just the overall open trot. And, of course, the open pace is kind of the equivalency of our, per se, Breeders' Cup Classic Division. So that open pace is, uh, of course, the big staple on the card, per se, and, uh, you know, I guess going forward, they might become the FanDuel uh, Opens. I'm, I'm not sure how that goes going forward, but, you know. <laughs> That's right. The, re- the rebrand hasn't quite reached its uh, its apex yet with the copy that we're getting from our, from our friends over there. And one of the things, I talk about demystifying the harness side of things. So in, in some cases, it's just myth-busting. So I just don't recognize, I don't realize how many flat players understand like the pool sizes we're dealing with. And I know there's some pool guarantees that should be met uh, easily enough, but just the fact that, you know, you can bet into some big pools at on the harness side of things, something that I wanted to emphasize. Yeah, absolutely. Pete, um, we had a car- carryover in the pick four last week of uh, nearly $50,000. I think that pool was close to three or 400,000. I mean, you know, we got a lot of money bet in there. For the carryover last week, and we had a couple upsets in that sequence. It paid fantastic, and it also resulted in a double pick six carryover. So, for anyone listening to this really soon after it's posted um, tonight, Friday, November twenty fifth, races eight through thirteen. There's a thirty two thousand dollar carryover in the pick six. That comes with a one hundred thousand dollar guarantee. Um, but when we're talking the Saturday night card, Pete, it's two pick fours. Races six through nine, the early pick four all stakes. Races ten through thirteen includes two overnight events after the uh, big race is finished. And those are both guaranteed at 75000 And uh, I think they'll both go right through that guarantee. I mean, this is, for us, Pete, 
the last big night. I mean, I almost like to think of this like Cigar Mile Day in, mm-hmm. in uh, thoroughbred racing that, you know, we're past the Breeders' Crown, we're past the Breeders' Cup, but this is kind of one last big day before we really enter the heart of winter racing until we come back on the other side in spring. And it's a good night to get out there to the Meadowlands as well. Some special activities going on, retirement ceremonies, a track giveaway as well. Let folks know what they can find in store for them if they can make it out there to the Meadowlands. Absolutely. If, if uh, listeners get a chance to get out to East Rutherford, New Jersey tomorrow night, I, I surely highly recommend it. Um, 14 races on tap, first post time, 6.20 p.m. I think the weather looks okay, all things considered. I know we're getting a little bit of rain here uh, this afternoon as I'm sitting here at the at the booth at Freehold, ready to call some races here when we wrap up. But, uh, you know, I think the rain's going to work its way through, and hopefully we get uh, warmish weather for late November at least. Um, and, yeah, we do have some giveaways on tap. So Atlanta, one of the greatest mare trotters of all time, and Bulldog Hanover, who, of course, has really put the uh, standard bread sport in the spotlight this season, they are both competing in their last career races tomorrow evening. Um, so as a result, there'll be some mug giveaways, some commemorative thermos mug giveaways for both Atlanta and Bulldog Hanover. And there's also, and these are the ones that I'm most excited about, there's also a little Bulldog Hanover, little plush uh, horses that I believe Dexter Dunn is throwing out after one of the races, I believe I heard. So um, we'll look forward to those for sure. And um, yeah, if you're on track, you know, we'll, we'll hang a big number up on the board in terms of minutes to post after races uh, five or six and 10 on tomorrow night. And of course, uh, do a proper retirement ceremony for both Atlanta and Bulldog Hanover in the winter circle. And uh, for sure, we'll look forward to wishing them both the best of success in their future careers uh, in the breeding shed. I've been enjoying the Bulldog Hanover story all year. One of the things that helped really draw me into uh, being just, just putting more of an emphasis on on harness racing in general here on the network. And and that'll definitely be something worth watching. If there happens to be no pressure here, but if there happens to be an extra a plushie or two, I do know a nine-year-old girl who would be very excited to find one under the Christmas tree. So I'm just, I'm just saying, if one, if one happens to appear, let me know. But I did have a more serious question about uh, Bulldog Hanover in, in terms of, like, put this in perspective for us about how important of a horse this has been for, for harness racing and how historically good he is. You know, I really, you know, Pete, you know, I'm 23 years old, but I, I firmly believe that no matter how long I'm in the sport, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I'm, this will always be a season I will look back on, especially myself as a big thoroughbred fan as well, that it was the year of Flightline and it was the year of Bulldog. I mean, to get them both in the same year was simply uh, inconceivable. Um, and, you know, I think it's something which here's the plug for this, by the way, for anyone looking for more information on this, of course, we recorded uh, for In the Money Media a special roundtable for the TVG finals night. And one of the things we discussed in this race was the Bulldog versus Flightline comparisons. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. We saw Flightline, of course, go six for six. And there was a lot of discussion over can he be considered the greatest ever with only six races? I mean, look how many times Secretariat raced and, you know, Go Zapper and all the other greats compared to only six from Flightline. Bulldog is maybe in a similar story. I mean, he completed his four-year-old season now, much like Flightline, but we did get to see him a lot more on the track. He won four races from six as a two-year-old. He won 10 from 15 as a three-year-old, and he went 13 for 15 this year with, of course, one more race left, um, and he's made over $2.2 million in his career. So he's just been a super, super special horse. And, of course, most importantly, we got to see the world record this year in the 54, in the 45 and 4-mile we saw a Canadian record in 46-4 and four up in the Canadian Pacing Derby this summer. And then we saw 46-4 and four and the Breeders' Crown in October. So, of course, colder weather. You know, it's tough to replicate those kind of times. So, I mean, what we have seen this year from him, him and Flightline, to be fair, both of them, has just been truly something historic. 
and something we may never see again. So uh, that's further emphasis that for anyone listening and, you know, maybe intrigued by this harness racing, or even if they are race harness racing fans, this is your chance. This is your last chance to see Bulldog in a competitive race. And I'm really happy that I get to work in the back paddock tomorrow night. So I look forward to, you know, doing my interviews and taking care of business, but then also just kind of being a fan and taking pictures as he's entering the track for the last time ever. And when he comes back after the race for the last time ever. So I'm just super, super pumped to see that up close and personal. Oh, that's terrific. I'm envious that you get to do that. That sounds like a ton of fun. We've talked about some of the horses to watch on this card. Let's talk about a horse or two you're excited to bet on the on this uh, Saturday night card. Obviously, we have the whole roundtable for folks looking to fully explore it, but just at a very high level, a couple of horses that, you know, for me personally, to, to try to get uh, get get stuck into here. Um, so let's start with race five. That's the Valley Victory final for the two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. Uh, volume eight versus Celebrity Bambino. This is kind of the classic horse on the improved versus the class horse. Celebrity Bambino was second as the favorite in the Breeders' Crown. So, of course, to get all the way to the end of the season and be, you know, the favorite in your division at the end of the season's a big deal. But alternately, volume eight has been racing against much softer stakes company, but he's done it so well. And what was really impressive, Pete, was he made a break at the start in the kindergarten two weeks ago. And admittedly, there wasn't a whole lot in that field, but he was down. I mean, the chart line doesn't even do it justice. He was down at least 20 lengths before the quarter. And he went on to come all the way back to win anyway in that race. I mean, the ground he made up was incredibly won by a head. And likewise, next week, when he stayed flat from post seven, he got away fourth took over, and he won by eight and a quarter, wrapped up in the end, in the kindergarten final. So, again, the class may not be the same as Slayer to Bambino, but he's just been racing so sharp. So I think he's a good price. I think he is actually probably the favorite, though, based on those last couple of races. But I think the class of Celebrity Bambino at least makes them close in the wagering that you might get an eight to five, nine to five kind of price. Um, race six, if you're playing that early pick four, you know, you might just be able to start with Bella Bellini. Um, the great Atlanta, it's incredible to see her retire. And like I said, she's just... She's never won a Breeders' Crown, and it just seems like there's always someone there to knock her off on the big nights. And Belle Bellini has just been a phenomenal mare herself. She's made almost $2 million. In fact, she'll most likely go over $2 million in lifetime earnings with this race here. And, um, you know, she really is a big track horse. That Breeders' Crown was spectacular. And, you know, I think she's probably one maybe you could even lean on as a single if you really wanted in that early pick four. Um, race seven, the three diamonds, two-year-old Philly Pace. That one there... I'll admit probably a morning line error. I think Strong Poison is probably the favorite over Belisa Hanover. Strong Poison, really impressive from post 10. Parked every step of the way in that elimination. Was still pacing home in the end. Uh, Belisa Hanover was the kindergarten winner in a really impressive 50 and 2 clocking. But I think Strong Poison, who was a pretty heavily bet 5-1 to one choice in the Breeders' Crown, she will probably be tough to knock off there. Um, and then a race 9 is uh, maybe the last one here I'll highlight. Race 9 is a really interesting one. The TVG Mare Pace. You have three-year-olds taking on the older, so you kind of got to decide as a handicapper what you want to do here. Test of Faith, heavy favorite, last year's Horse of the Year, disappointed second in the Breeders' Crown, but she is always right there. Again, last year's Horse of the Year, so she's definitely a contender. Treacherous Dragon won the three-year-old Philly Pace Breeders' Crown race, so she is a contender here, but how much do you as a handicapper like her taking on the olders? Well, that's for you to decide. I still use her in my numbers. I'm not too concerned about it, especially this late in the season for the three-year-olds taking on olders. Um, but Grace Hill upset Test of Faith at 5-1 to one in that Breeders' Crown final. And Nikki Hill raced really, really well from post-10 to finish second in that Breeders' Crown. So those four squaring off, the two three-year-olds and the two olders, that race has a lot of intrigue as well. And, of course, race 10, one word needs to be said, TVG Open Pace final. Bulldog. So, you know, there, there's the highlights, Pete. 
Love it. It's a great night. I'm excited to check it out. Very pleased to have you on here. Folks looking for more can uh, check out the round table. Uh, I, I have it in my queue. I have not gotten to it yet, but I'm looking forward to, to diving in thoroughly and always appreciate the stuff you do here for us, Edison. I look forward to hanging out with you in Tucson in not too far. Of course, Pete, look forward to it. We'll see you then and uh, hopefully back on here soon to discuss some more roundtable action when we, we get some uh, next year when we get back to Grand Circuit season. Cheers, my friend. With Turkey Day behind us, it's time to hunker down and take in some great horse racing live from the Big A. This weekend will feature four graded stakes races, including the Grade 3 Long Island. In the Long Island, the horse to watch is Temple City Terror, coming off a victory in the Grade 3 Dowager at Keeneland. One of her primary challengers will be Capital Structure, who won a turf race at Saratoga this year and recorded a top five finish in the 2020 Grade 1 American Oaks at Santa Anita. Join Jonathan Kinchin, Greg Wolf, Acacia Clement, Maggie Wolfendale, and the rest of the Naira team as they bring you live racing, expert analysis, and picks. For America's Day at the Races, showtimes, you can go to naira.com, or we created a little pretty link for you as well, inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV. Last but not least, a guest I've been excited to have on the show since we spent some time together at the Breeders' Cup. A returning guest always does a thorough job, whether it's when he appears on these airwaves or on his own show, which we'll get him to tell us about a little bit during the course of the visit. I am speaking of Howard Kravitz. Howard, how are things? Pete, I'm doing well. Thank you. Happy uh, official holidays to everyone as we uh, are recording here on Black Friday. Had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, Hopefully you uh, had a wonderful one with your family as well. It was terrific. Uh, very pleased with the way the bird came out. It was one of those years where, you know, it looked like uh, it looked like the picture. You know, it looked like it was supposed to look. It tasted great. It was it was super fun. Got my run in in the morning. And of course, we were uh, gambling and, and watching sports all day. You know, we had uh, we had NFL. We had World Cup. We had fairgrounds. We had Churchill Downs. We had it all cooking. And it's going to continue throughout the weekend. Great, great racing. A big day at Aqueduct here as we record this on Friday, and then another big one that we're going to talk about coming up. But before we get to it, you are part of another horse racing holiday tradition this year. You're going to be heading to Hawthorne to play. Are you going to play in all three contests over the weekend? What's your plan? I'm playing uh, today on Friday, and I'm also playing uh, Sunday uh, with Matt Miller and Kyle Roscoe from the HHH Racing Podcast that I host. So I'm going to play two days. I'm going to play two entries today. We'll see how that goes. I am qualified for the NHC already uh, due to my second place finish earlier this year in the ultimate betting challenge, but I'm going to try to double qualify and of course support Hawthorne Racecourse and the wonderful people there as well. They do a great job. We've talked about these contests a lot. We've done more with Hawthorne this year than we've ever done before, and we're the better for it. But if folks are interested in joining Howard and playing this weekend, inthemoneypodcast.com slash H-A-W, that will navigate you on the Hawthorne website to exactly where you need to go. Uh, folks can also participate in the in the Naira contest, which continue if you go to the Naira website, Naira Bets website, you get all the details about their weekend events. Um, one more plug to get in, but because I want to make sure that we do it before we get into these races. I know you've got a special guest coming up on the, on your, your pod and your show next week. Tell folks about that. Tell folks where they can find more from you. Yeah, very excited. I'm the host of the HHH Racing Podcast. It's found on YouTube. You just go to the YouTube search bar and just type in HHH Racing Podcast. Uh, we we Our flagship show is on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. 
Eastern, but we also have shows on either Monday or Tuesday. And next week, we have a fantastic show, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, one of the best trainers in the world. Chad Brown is going to be on live, Pete, live. Awesome. Chad Brown, we're taking viewer questions as well. So we're very excited. Plus a mystery guest from a TV personality. You'll have to check it out and see what that's going to be. But I know people are going to be excited to see this person as well. So a mystery guest and Chad Brown next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, HHH Racing Podcast. You do a great job on the show. You mentioned Kyle and his contributions. Had the pleasure of meeting him at Breeders' Cup. Uh, Chad's going to be a fabulous guest, I'm sure, and that'll that'll be a, a, a lot of fun. We encourage folks to to check it out over on um, over on YouTube. All right, let's dive in to these races, my friend. We're going to go over the Saturday pick six. We're going to be optimist, and I think we are going to be. This isn't just being foolishly optimistic. I do think we're going to be on turf for this uh, for this sequence. It was just drizzling outside today, but I think it's supposed to clear out and be okay. But that doesn't matter for the first race we're going to talk about because we start. Um, we, no, we do start on the turf. I'm in the wrong spot. We start off with a stakes race on the turf, the Central Park. We're going a mile. We've got a field of 10 going postward. And very curious to uh, get your thoughts on this one. Howard, how are we going to light this candle? Well, this is a very interesting race for two-year-olds. This is the you know uh, one of the last races of the entire turf season in New York. So you have an interesting mix of up-and-comers here. Um, I'm going to go with the nine, Let's Go Big Blue, who I'm assuming is named after University of Kentucky. Although if you are a fan of University oh. of Michigan, uh, you, you definitely will be cheering for them uh, Saturday against Ohio State. But Let's Go Big Blue, four to one morning line for Weaver. Eric Cancel has struggled uh, this meet, no question about it. However, there's a lot of speed in this race, Pete. I think it's going to set up well for this uh, horse by Cairo Prince. And he got a nightmare trip last time was making a move on the far turn and into the stretch and was trying to get to the outside and got blind switched, which of course is a, a phrase that our good friend Edison Hatter would know very well from your show and uh, first over uh, trying to get to the outside. Couldn't get there. Studied several times was going to win that race. I think this race sets up well for him from a pace flow standpoint. And my second choice will be general Jim seven to two on the outside for Shug McGahee and Alvarado, uh, two of three, running very well, needs to find a spot from the outside, as does the nine. But I think there's enough inside speed to set it up. I'm going nine, ten, two. <clears throat> nine, ten are my A's, Pete. I'm going to use the two of the Pletcher horse as a B, and three, six as C's. All right. The, the, I'll correct you on the name. This is a New York Giants thing. Because oh, okay. This horse- Owned by uh, owned by August Dawn Farm, of which uh, Bill Parcells is, uh, ah, is a member. My apologies. But it's an understandable mistake. You know, we're used to Big Blue in horse racing world, and you know Lexington and 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 that whole thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to my Giants. We've crashed down to earth a little bit after the last two games, but it's been a more fun season than I was anticipating, and I'm hoping they can can get healthy and get right for the rest of the season. The reason I'm talking about the NFL is because it's like you stole my notes here. I have the same top two for the same reasons. Let's go big blue off of the trip angle. And then general Jim, I thought was the most logical alternative. I just really liked the looks of the last run. This is a progressive sword who I think could have another forward move in him at the end of the two-year-old season. Um, 
uh, just good looking figures and form. Nothing too clever, as is the case with a lot of my picks today. It's a, <laughs> I'm going with a lot of figure and form horses who I think are going to get good enough setups. That's the nine and the ten in race five. And it also speaks to my pick in race number six, where we move to a three and up New York bread allowance race going six furlongs. I just felt like victory built leapt off the page for me. Very consistent uh, figure wise makes his own trip could actually end up getting loose in here. Not the winningest kind of all time. You see that three for 40 with uh, with 14 seconds. But I think with the right kind of setup, which I think you'll get here, a horse that I'm going to be building a lot of things around. I'm not opposed to the idea of throwing in some backups, etc. So let's bring in Howard to uh, get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, you know, I tried to get cheeky in the last race with uh, with a sports reference, and I had the wrong team. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think this race, this is a fascinating race. I, to me, the race revolves around number two, Breaking Stones. I mean, what do you do with this horse who exploded with an 88 buyer and an open 14 claimer out of nowhere? But that was, what, six days ago now, uh, now Pete? Um, gets IRAD. It's going to take a ton of money. This is the kind of horse that I am completely against. I'll be using Breaking Stones very defensively, the two. Um, I'm actually going to go with the horse outside of yours, the number eight, Agility, who I hope can live up uh, to his name. This is a, a practical joke cult. There's a few angles I like about this horse. First of all, I love Abreu, and nothing wrong with Jose Ortiz. Has a nice, comfy outside post. The angles, the two angles I like especially are, second off the layoff, number one, Pete. Number yeah. two, turf to dirt. I'm, I'm a little surprised they put him on turf last time. I think he's going to get a nice trip from the outside. I'm not fully convinced that the Finger Lakes form of victory built will translate to Aqueduct. And like you said, he's three for 40 lifetime. That does not exactly give someone confidence. I'm going to go with Agility, who was staked earlier this year as well. I'm going eight, seven, uh, excuse me, I'm going, yeah, eight, seven, four, uh, seven, eight are A's. The four is my bomb is a B. Take a look at that horse is going from turf to dirt and is a closer in a race with potentially a lot of speed. And I'm going to use breaking stones, the two as a C very defensively. Gotcha. Good, good analysis there. I like your case on agility. If the pace does heat up, especially that's one I'm going to end up throwing in as a backup on my tickets. I'll take my chances though with the, with the seven in the main, let's talk about race number seven, three and up Phillies and mares, New York breads. We're going one mile on the dirt and Howard will keep it with you. Well, the obvious choice here would be the number six photon. And that's who I'm going is my top choice. Eight to five morning line. This is a very weak race though, Pete, for, uh, you know, Philly's state bread. I want to throw a horse out there that I'm very interested in. And I actually have a little bit of intel. And I do not know if this is going to work out. So if this horse does not work out, don't send me hate mail. But the number nine, mentally, 20 to 1, Pete. 20 to 1 mowing line. Let me tell you why. This is a Ray Handel trained horse who I happen to know. And I did contact him, by the way, for your viewers uh, this week and asked him about uh, this horse. She looks horrible on paper. But she's been off since April. She's very well-bred. This is a horse by Malibu Moon out of an Empire Maker, uh, Empire, uh, Empire Maker excuse me, mare. Um, she's been working very well. Ray Handel thinks this horse has some ability. They decide just to turn her out because um, she wasn't just quite racy enough. This is a weak field. I'm throwing mentally the nine uh, in there. As a B horse, I'm going to play a big 6-9 exacta. The 6 is obviously the horse to beat. 
There's also another first time starter, the number three summer takeover for Abreu and Ortiz, who could be live. I'm going six, nine, three. Uh, if the nine finishes anywhere in the money, that will help put money in my holiday um, stocking and perhaps those of you at home as well. I like the sound of it. This is that's the, actually the horse that I had as my top pick. I mean, my what? Piece, wow. Yeah, here's my paper case. I mean, you made the key point about the weakness of the race overall, and then you look at. I saw the main, um, the main sort of numbers horses I was interested in as obviously Photon. You mentioned also Bavarian Cream. I thought rated a look, but you know, no world beaters in, in either case, and mentally. She caught plenty of money on debut, all things yes. considered. Being bet to six to one, bit of a of a difficult trip there. I mean, obviously stopped to a walk, but did make the top. Showed some speed. I'd call that a, a flow upgrade, and and was also down inside on a day. I don't think that was necessarily where you wanted to be. So I just felt like she was the stranger. She was unexposed. I'm a little concerned with you and I both making such cases that maybe we're not going to see the 20 to one. But the other concern that I had was just the amount of time off 230 days. Ray certainly capable of having one ready off the bench. Did he happen to mention anything along the lines of, Oh, might need one or anything like that. Or, or did, did that part not come up? I, I can read you a direct text if you like, but I I'd rather not do that. Let's just say that um, <laughs> she's, she's not a horse that uh, Ray necessarily trusts. But yeah. has some ability, and it's a weak field. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So I think that works. Um, you know, the other thing I want to mention, no disrespect to uh, Jockey Samuel, but this is a big jockey change. Vargas is a decent jockey. If people are wondering where, why not Trevor McCarthy, who's one of Handel's go-to guys? Obviously, Trevor is injured and out. Yeah. Um, this is just the kind of wise guy, fuzzy horse that could could make a you know a big splash in this race. I totally agree with you. Feels like the one you're supposed to you're supposed to take a little bit of a shot with. I'll make my lone A, and I will back up with uh, I'll back up with the the one and the six in this spot, and I'll take another look for some deeper combinations at the other runners that you put forward. Let's talk about race number eight, though. This is the fall high weight traditional Thanksgiving weekend race that they run here at the Big A Grade Three. It's a six furlong race, and uh, we're on the dirt, obviously. Um, maybe not obviously, but we're on the dirt. And this is a spot where I just, you know, I mentioned before, not the, not all the most creative picks today, just the seven running son of a gun really, um, leapt out at me just in very basic figures and form reasons, um, in, in excellent, uh, fettle at the moment, I think we'll get a good clean trip from the outside and then uh, factor it in who has form that ties in very closely uh, also made a ton of sense. I, I thought I was going to try to make this race as simple as the seven is an A, the six is a B. Uh, am I making it too simple, Howard? I don't think so. We're going to agree again here, Pete. This is the kind of race where I, you know, you want to get cute, but then I just looked at these horses carefully, watch replays, and just run in some of it again. It just seems like the obvious choice to me. Um, ran very well last time in the bold ruler, barely getting up over actually a horse that I loved at about eight to one uh, that, that, that the run son of a gun held on with, but you know, there's just others in here that I, I don't like. Uh, I want to quickly do mention um, your top your interesting choice there. Factor this six or factored in, excuse me. I thought factored in got a fantastic trip last time and he gets IRAD. He's three to one morning line. He's going to take a ton of money. But I really thought he should have won last time over running son of a gun. He saved ground. He split horses. 
he looked like a winner and just couldn't get the job done. So I'm a little bit against your second choice factor it in. I'm interested in the second choice of Greeley and Ben. And this horse has been quite the story if you follow this horse because he used to be trained by David Jacobson. He's an eight-year-old. But Pete, the last two races, he's run 95 buyers. And the two starts back against running son of a gun. I thought he had the worst of it. He sort of broke slow, was in between horses, and really was game all the way to the wire. Last time won an allowance race. has got the rail, Franco. I think um, Greenlee and Ben has a big shot here. I'm going 7-1-6, running son of a gun, my lone uh, A. I'm going 1-6 as Bs, and I'm going to go 3-5 as Cs in this high weight stake. All right, good stuff, Howard. Appreciate uh, your input on that. We have one more race to talk about. It is actually we have two more races to talk about, don't we? I'm a little disorganized today. Too much turkey. We have two more races to talk about. The next one being our second stake, um, our second graded stake of the sequence, the Red Smith, more traditional uh, late season turf stuff. Uh, typically the last turf stake run in New York, I believe, uh, annually. Mile and three ace. Big full field. Who's going to win it, Howard? Soldier Rising, who's 5-2 morning line for Clement and Jose Ortiz, is absolutely the horse to beat, in my opinion. Has run two big races in grade ones. However, there's a horse that I am very, very interested in that I will be betting to win for sure as long as he's, I would say, 7-2 or two or higher. And that is one of the two Chad Brown entries. I guess you could say the other Chad, the number three, Baltus, uh, with Franco on board. Take a look at the Sycamore. The last race, there's a bunch of horses coming out of that race. Temple, Highest Honors, and Baltus are all coming out of that race. And I talked about this race as well on my podcast recently. Baltus definitely got the worst of the trips. Had a lot of uh, run into the lane. There's a wall of horses that absolutely nowhere to go. Finally was able to angle out, but it was way too late. Had a lot of energy. This is a progressive four-year-old Pete, who I think will be a medium price, has a nice inside post. Franco obviously has got to work out the trip, Pete, but I really like the number three, Baltus, in this spot. Um, I, I think, you know, Obviously, the nine is the horse to beat, uh, but if Soldier Rising doesn't quite get a great trip or maybe just doesn't fire, I think Baltus is absolutely the other one I want. I'm going to go uh, nine, three, four. Uh, Astronaut, an interesting uh, speed horse who is getting better again. We are so similar today. I did. Oh. I had Soldier Rising on top. I saw all the points that you made about uh, about Baltus. Soldier Rising is. It was tricky. It felt like a race where I didn't necessarily want to favor, but the more I just looked at it and looked at numbers and, and thought back to the recent trips that Soldier Rising has had, just felt like just felt like the horse I was just going to try to not overcomplicate it and make the pick. But I mean, for for everything you said, I mean the the trip last time for Baltus getting stuck in traffic, not breaking well. I mean, still only getting beaten less than two. This is a horse who's better than that, and I think hopefully will be four to one, nine to two. Astronaut was I had four I wanted to talk about. Those were the top two, the the Soldier Rising and Balthus. Astronaut, I wanted somebody who was going to be closer to the pace, mm -hmm. has a good number, and feels like one who could stick on, you know, no shame in that last run against Warlike Goddess. And then one other I'll throw in using as more of a backup is the six runner Mooney Love, who ran in that very unusual flow race 
ended up winning rather easily. Now, nothing's come back to win out of it, which I don't love. But I mean, 12 to 1 of the morning line is probably a decent guess as to what this horse is going to be. I didn't want to get uh, caught, um, you know, napping if Mooney Love gets the job done. So I'm going to play various combinations of the 9, 6, 3, and 4. Probably the 9 and the 3 on the A line and the 6 and the 4 on the B line there. And we'll see if we can't get out of the Red Smith with our pick six tickets intact that will then pay out on the nightcap. Race number 10, two-year-old maiden New York bred Colts, six furlongs on the dirt. Howard, how are we going to get paid? The the mariachi bands are going to be waiting, uh, <laughs> in, you know, in the paddock and in the winner's circle, the number one mariachi wins, eight to five morning line. You know what, Pete? This is... Boy, this is the kind of horse that a lot of people are going to be singling on the end of their pick fives and pick sixes. And for some reason, I just don't trust this horse. That was a, a huge number last time with a perfect trip. Uh, he obviously can win. He lost a Don't Lose Cruz, who's actually running today, Friday, as we speak, um, at Aqueduct in, in a stake race. So uh, take a look at a Don't Lose Cruz and see how he does. And that might give you a sense of how Mariachi does uh, on Saturday, but you know what, Pete, there's other speed in this race. The number five mama's gold for maker and Franco was bet down to, you know, five to one in his debut at Saratoga and showed a lot of speed. Didn't run on well, but did show speed. And he's by bolt Oro out of a spites town mare. So I think mama's gold will show speed and the, uh, number 10 East coast girl for Kelly Breen. I don't know if he's going to win, but there's a lot of speed in this breeding, this, this horse is by Laoban out of, out of a very quick city place mare called Mayaka City. Don't be shocked if the number 10, who's got good works, East Coast Girl, shows a lot of speed. And then there's the number two, Victory Money, $140,000 buy for Pletcher by Constitution with a 46 breezing from the gates, 46 and one breezing a few weeks ago. I guess what I'm trying to tell you, Pete, is the one is the moto horse. I'm not sure I trust him. I'm going to go one, two, five. But if the one loses here, I will not be shocked at all. Yeah, I, I get I get everything you're saying. I did make Mariachi the top pick for, uh, you know, just based on the, the seeming strength of that run. I mean, being so clear and, and, and running a good number. But I wanted victory money as well. The Constitution so good first out. Todd Pletcher obviously does incredibly well in this category. And... You know, they'll catch money. That horse is going to catch money, obviously. So I'm really t doing a lot with the, these two at the top of the market and hoping one of them wins in this spot. Um, but that's that's how I was going to play it. Just looking to get out one, two on the end here. Howard, we are out of time. I know you got to get rolling. Godspeed at Hawthorne. And we look forward to talking again soon. Thanks a lot, Pete. Take care. Happy holidays, everyone. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests and sponsors. Most of all, though, want to thank... All of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. We'll give a special shout-out, too, to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. You know how we love to root for the purple and black around here. And also the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. The Hay Drive continues. 
they're doing a great thing right now where we're giving away the last few bottles of the In The Money whiskey. We're not really giving it away. It's, a, it's something that we send to you when you donate a certain amount. If you do go to our page, trfinc.org players, and you want the whiskey, let them know. Otherwise, they might just think it's a random donation. So definitely like put that in the comments or reach out. If you have any trouble, just reach out to me. I'll make sure that it gets taken care of. And if you've already put the money in, do the same thing. Reach out to me. Reach out to Kim. Just let us know that you're after the whiskey so we can make sure to get you what you are looking for. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos!